0: when you're out finding adventure together and the new Santa Fe is designed to help you get more out of that quality time. The Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV with intuitive technology. The newly designed Santa Fe offers H-track all-wheel drive capability, intuitive tech and safety features to get you where you're going with confidence and the personalized style to do it your own way. An SUV with family fun in mind that proves that out together is truly better. It's got H-Track all-wheel drive, dynamic safety features, dual blind spot view monitor, and user profiles with a 10.25-inch full-touch infotainment screen. To learn more, go to Hyundai.com. Honey Girl. A coming-of-age debut by Morgan Rogers follows a young black woman just finishing her PhD in astronomy who impulsively gets married in Vegas and decides to leave her perfectly ordered life for summer in New York with the wife she barely knows. Honey Girl is available now wherever books are sold. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan and Angelica. In this two-part episode, we welcome in our first segment the one, the only, I mean, she needs really no introduction, but it's actress Vivica A. Fox, and she's a multi-hyphenate at this point. She is more than just an actor, she is a director, she's a producer, and she has her own series on Fox, Soul, and Tubi. She's got a talk show called Cocktails with Queens that's premiering and streaming on both networks. And she recently launched Fox Soul's The Screening Room, which is a weekly hour-long program meant to highlight and celebrate short films created by Black filmmakers. And that segment is hosted by Ryan. In our second segment, we're excited because South by Southwest is right around the corner. And we welcome director Whitney Scoggy. Their film, The Beauty President, makes its premiere at the illustrious festival, and the film asks the question, if a bad actor can be president, why not a good drag queen? In 1992, Joan Jett Black made a historic bid for the White House as an openly queer right in candidate. Today, Terrence Smith, the man behind the persona, reflects back on his place in gay rights history at the height of the AIDS crisis. And Whitney is excited to chat about their story, the beauty president here with Black Girl Nerds, and that segment is hosted by Angelica. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast.
1: Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I don't even know where to start with my guest that I have with you guys today. Listen, she taught us that to find love, you got to play a few games. (laughs) She also helped us get that girl squad right. You know, when you, you know, you might have to get a little things right in your life. You need that girl squad. She told us about that. And I think it's been like twice now that she's kind of saved the world from aliens. (laughs) So, you know, I had to, I had to give her, I had to give her like the right introduction right now. I'm talking about actress, producer, TV host. Vivica a. Fox, Vivica, thank you for joining me. Hey, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> so I gotta ask you because we were talking a little, this, a little bit about this when you came on. Mm-hmm. What do you get a moment to breathe and take in, like all the marvelous, fabulous projects that you have been a part of
2: lately? Yes. Now I'm gonna tell you. Early in my career, I was on that treadmill of success where I was just grinding, 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 grinding. And, you know, you, you kind of forget to take the time to smell the roses, you know, because you've got so many things happening. Whereas now I am grateful and I get I I love that with social media, I get to tweet with my fans, talk to them, you know, find out what they think. And they let you know anyway, even if you ain't trying to yeah, know. They will, yeah, they will. They let yeah. you know mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. I, I definitely Take the time now and enjoy my projects because I'm producing, directing, starring, podcasts. I mean, like a lot of wonderful things are happening Mm -hmm. for me.
1: Now, I want to ask you, um, because my listeners know I find any opportunity to talk about action. I got to ask you about Kill Bill because I promised myself I ever got an opportunity to ask you to talk to you about this. Um, the um do you remember back to that time with Uma Thurman and the fight scene in the kitchen and everything? We had the Copperhead and the Black. What do you remember about that? And do we get like does Copperhead? I know we have volume two, but does she ever make appearance? Because you've done detective roles.
3: But I'm wondering if
1: you do if you would go back to action if you were asked.
2: Oh my gosh, I've been trying to put it out in the universe about Kill Bill 2 forever. Uh girl, uh, as far as casting, I'm like, yo, my character can come through in a flashback, you know, and show. Like, you know, like she talks about her mom, like my mom was an assassin. So, you know, I'm trying to follow in her footsteps, show her, show the, the fight scene, the training. Because we trained for six months.
4: Wow. I did, yeah. I mean, all
2: of us really did. I mean, Quentin, yeah. I mean, my body literally went from like a size 810 down to a 2. We couldn't hold on to the weight because that's all we did was work out. I said, we trained training for the Olympics, but I would go back to that Olympic training again. I sure would. I don't know if i handle it,
1: but I would try. Hey, I will be watching because that will be cool. I, I always go back to that moment. Like as soon as I heard I was interviewed, they, like it just popped up that whole scene because I remember yeah. like it was the first time. Like for me, it was the first time you saw women on like this equal footing fighting, mm-hmm. and you almost thought Uma Thurman wasn't make, making it out because y'all was that's how hard y'all were going. Like
2: you thought she wasn't gonna make it. We were brawling in Pasadena. Yeah, that's yeah. What I Call that, honey, the brawl in Pasadena. But can I tell you the way that Quentin? because it took us four days to shoot that scene but the way he choreographed how we did the scene you know each day we went to a different part of the house and it was beautiful and then the way you saw we literally went in like kind of a square and ended right back up in the front room where i came in the door and that was just the awesome film directing of Quentin Tarantino, that when you saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, we ended up, and then I was shot the, now, because I'm a director child, so I'll be knowing my angel. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, that? I was going to ask you, I'm getting to that one, I'm getting to that, yeah. <laughs> but how we ended up with that shot, with the two ladies, with the knives drawn, and then you saw the little girl arriving, getting out of the bus from school, and it was like, dun da dun, dun dun but meanwhile, danger was in the house. Yes. Like you, this is phenomenal. I'm just telling
1: you, I'm waiting. I'm putting that out in the atmosphere too. Cause I would love it to come back. It was Me just too. so, I just like, I just remember that. And I'm like, black women need to do more of this. Like as yeah, soon as was- I saw that scene, I was like, keep it going. I think it's slowly getting there. Cause we're in that time mm-hmm. when people got to sit and they got to look and they got to reflect. Yeah. But I was like, at that moment, I was like, this needs to keep going. We need to see more of this.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I've been putting it out there every time I do an interview. They're like, would you do another one? I'm like, yes, let's go. But I think we're waiting on Quentin and Uma to find a script that makes sense for them. Then for the longest time, you know, they were saying that they were waiting on my daughter, who at the time was young when we filmed it, to grow up. And then, you know, there's a little bit of a controversy when I uh, got asked by someone um, if the, they didn't do, go with the daughter. If it was a name, who would I pick? And I said Zendaya, who I love mm-hmm. and think is just amazing. Yeah, yeah
1: she's fantastic. Yeah, girl.
2: yeah, she hot. So we trying to make it happen.
1: Yeah, well, hey, I'm going to cross my fingers. I got my fingers crossed. I'm ready. Thank all you. right, let's get into, all right, like we said, you never sit down. You always stay busy. So let's get into this <laughs> partnership you got going on with Tubi, where, by the way, it's Fox streaming service for listeners that don't know. How, like, we get to see your entire catalog. So people are not caught up on these movies and we get to go through. I'm like, I'm like rolling through the list (laughs) that your team sent me. And I'm like, like, I haven't seen Assassin's Game. I'm like, I don't know what I want to watch first yeah um it's crazy motives is on here both the motives are on here yes
2: they got why did fools fall in love crossbreed mercenaries yeah they have my new stuff that's out cocktails with queens with my girl uh claudia with my girls claudia john claudia jordan lisa ray mccoy and selena johnson then they have my new show that i have out the screening room where we showcase uh african-american filmmakers And then, you know, I mean, they got over 30,000 movies and television series that are available and they're completely free. So it's like you can watch it, watch it whenever and whatever you want. That's yeah, like you have no excuses. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's brilliant. Like the catalog, like I would come to Vivica Fox if I needed to fill a catalog. Like you probably got half of the
2: Tubi. (laughs) Like I just I'll just call you up. Yeah, well, we started uh, with Tubi last month because we were celebrating uh, Black History Month, and mm-hmm. I just thought that that was so wonderful that during Black History Month, that you know they hear this comes Tubi, and they wanted to celebrate African American actors and actresses and their right. movies because a little bit of time sometimes we feel a little underappreciated, and they mm-hmm. was like, well, baby, we got we got the best of the best from y'all from all of your favorite stars from Idris Elba to Beyonce to mm-hmm. Regina King. I mean, I, like they got like I said, over thirty thousand titles.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it is a phenomenal. Like I said, you guys got to check this out. They got it all categorized for you. Um <laughs> go to uh tv by the way, yes. so you guys can get the whole list that we're running down reading here. Um so let's talk about cocktails with queens. Yeah. Cuz you kind of ran through and gave us a Can I just say, who has the brilliant idea to get all of you ladies that don't want to hold any punches to get like out at all? Like, I'm just laughing hysterically. I got to see some preview clips and I was dying. (laughs) I was like, who had this brilliant idea while we're stuck in a pandemic? Everybody's at home. You guys are on Skype. You know, we at the mercy of technology now. I was like, this is brilliant. How did
2: this come about? It started off originally, Claudia Jordan was supposed to interview me. And then they called and said, wait, we're going to add Lisa Ray to it. I said, I love Lisa Ray. That's my baby sister. Then they was like, well, what about Selena Johnson? I was like, I love Selena. I did her show. uh, What is that? uh, Soul Sister, Sister Soul. Yeah, I, mean, I did their show a lot of times. I'm like, I love Selena, so we did it once, and then they were like, oh, you guys got great chemistry. Let's do it again." And now we will be celebrating our one-year anniversary, April 19th. So we now have messy Mondays. That some weeks we get in trouble because we be <laughs> telling what we keep it 100. You know, yes, they do. Oh, yes. yes, And people love it. I get so many people mm-hmm. that like, I look forward to having my cocktails and my happy hour with you ladies. So I would love that once pandemic is over, that if we could yes. you know, have the show and we go to a studio and record it because people really enjoy it because we keep it real, real.
1: Yes. Like the stuff that comes out. I'm like, I was thinking that, but being, can you talk about being that brave? Like, that's one thing I love about you too. Cause I've seen some of your interviews in the past and yeah. you've always been like, like genuinely, that's how you feel. And you react to stuff, which is so cool. And I think that's why it's so much fun to watch you on camera too. Yeah. But can you talk a little bit about having that realness, you know, like being comfortable with that? Cause like you said, people can come at you from all sides,
2: yeah. all different ways on social media when you want to be real. Can I tell you, it took a long time for me to get completely comfortable in my own skin because when I first started acting, you know, it was, you have to be perfect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from the hair to the makeup, I mean, people zooming in on your pictures, they judge you from the head to your down to your your toenail polish. Well, now, you know, it's in an era where people like to see that you're real, that you fall down, that you have ugly days, that you have bad hair days, that you go through trials and tribulations just like they do. So, you know, I've embraced that you know, I'm still gonna always try to show up and show out. You know, uh, yeah. And but Lisa Ray, I love Lisa Ray. Lisa Ray, she will be real raw, raw. You like Lisa Ray, really? And then her and Claudia, I mean, it's just the chemistry with the four ladies is just great. It's entertaining uh-huh. and it's real, and also to see four beautiful women and African American women that support each other, that can agree to disagree, and um, i I just think that it's refreshing and that's why it's so successful and do you have like can you
1: tease anything you have like a favorite interview or favorite moment coming up that you can tease? because you guys have you guys talk about pop stuff that you wish you had celebrities to sit down like especially like beautiful times with black women women of color sitting down giving their opinions on this yeah there's some moments where you guys are like "Now wait tell, tell me what song they have again and i'm just like dying and you
2: guys are like trying to catch up with this. Well, you know, some of these children we don't know, honey. Let's just keep that real. Some of these well, children. Well, that's what is so out. funny. It's so funny and refreshing. You guys are like, hold on, wait a minute, take a pause. Let me go and find out what this person is <laughs> I mean, we've all been doing it for a very long time, which is a celebration in its own. We've all been doing this. So, you know, and and I'm the person who i usually educate, and then I'm into politics. So, you know, when something goes down, Lisa Ray, Lisa Ray's like, Vivica, what that mean? So, you know, everyone loves different things. And me and Claudia have worked uh, together before on so many things, uh, you know, that, and she comes from the world of radio. So we just, I, I love. I learn stuff every week. Some of my favorite interviews. Uh, we had one week where we were just all cracking each other up, talking about you know sex and 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 what was happening in the pandemic and what wasn't happening in the pandemic. Uh, some of my favorite uh, guests have been. I love when we got in Vogue to come on the show. That we gave those queens their flowers, you know, and because they're legends. And Ralph Tresvant. Ralph Tresbat was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, sometimes we do celebrities and then sometimes the girls just entertain each other talking about hot topics. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys get going and I'm like, oh, we got to take a commercial break. Like, you got to be kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. But, yeah, it's and a, it a lot of fun. so quickly. Mm-hmm, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's over. But, yeah, messy Mondays. Looks like they're here yeah. to stay.
1: And I love how y'all are not afraid of technology. I have to mention that too. Because a lot of people are very scared to get out and try to do this stuff. Because you like, if you don't have the right Wi-Fi over here, if it's not clamped yes. in over here, you don't have anything going.
2: Oh, a couple of times people dropped out. I remember one show I dropped out for about like five to seven minutes and I was freaking out. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Selena, the last episode so things happened. But can I tell you with the world of Zoom and what we the it, it helped me, girl, because I saw myself on camera the first time and COVID had been going on and I was eating like I wanted to. I said, ooh, you looking a little COVID fluffy vivica. Time to pull back, child. And so it helped me to look at myself, take, you know, you know, uh pull back a little bit, drink a little bit more water, you know, get back on the floor, exercise. And you know, every Monday I get to play dress up, so I really yeah, enjoy doing yeah. it.
1: Well, I think all you ladies look lovely and beautiful. Thank you. And hey, black don't crack. So you know, I'm just putting yeah, it out hard. there. Just you know, it's like fine you know, mind
2: getting better with time, right?
1: <laughs> yes. So I want to talk to you about your behind the camera, you're producing, you're directing, yes. um wrong on lifetime, this collection, this fabulous collection, by the way, you got on Lifetime um first of all what i like about it is i feel like you created the space for yourself because we're talking about you know you getting that um doing more action or doing certain roles sometimes they you know it's still companies out there still people that don't get black women have different layers to them Mm -hmm. so you've reached out and you created this space for yourself can you talk about that and then also talk about getting into directing well
2: lifetime i love them i do Mm -hmm. my goodness They were the first network to offer me a starring role in a series uh, after I did Kill Bill, Missing, which you can also get on Tubi. Um, How did I forget that? Yeah, that was great. I'm I'm breaking out the receipts for you today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, they were the first to give me a starring role, Missing. And then from there, we went to Vivica's Black Magic. So on Wednesdays, we was making it rain. For the ladies, I would love when people would send me pictures. They grandma sitting, staring at the thing, like, "Look at them boys!" Oh my goodness! So that was biblical black magic. And then uh, when when things fell apart with that, then they were like, "We love working with you." So we the my director and producing partners, uh, my director David DeCato and my producing partner Hybrid Films. We did a couple of them, and people loved them. And with it, so now we have. So Wrong, It's Right franchise. Uh, just the, the beginning of the year, the whole month of January, we debuted five, four new films. And every Friday, you know, people, they just love them. And then they would binge, be able to binge watch the other 20 films. So like every Friday they would have an, all day, it would just be my movies. So it turns me into... A producer. And I get to play roles that normally Hollywood doesn't cast me in. I play detectives. I play the mom. I play the chef. We go on adventures. I go on a cruise. I go there, I, you know, kicking butt, pulling out that gun. And it's always me delivering the, the line. Looks like you found the wrong Valentine. Or honey, looks like <laughs> you found the wrong Mr. Right. Yeah. So it's limitless for us. Matter of fact, we're about to do three more coming up in April. So the franchise yeah. just continues and I'm grateful mm-hmm. to Lifetime for that. But then directing now has fallen into my lap with BET Hurt. BET Her uh, presents the couch. And what they do is every year they allow four to five uh, actresses to first time direct or women that are in show business. So it's myself, Mona Scott, uh, Tyrande, um, Carlene and Yvette Nicole Brown. So what they do is that it is. Uh, allowing directors to deal with issues that we as women don't like to talk about. And especially in the African-American community from breast cancer awareness, domestic violence, mental illness, homelessness. And my film is called Through Her Eyes, starring Nikki Michaud and and, uh, Alea. And I got to direct it, and it's dealing with mental illness and homelessness. I got to cast. I got to direct it, almost produce it. Uh, Everything is yours when you direct it. It's like your baby from picking the hair to the couch, to the curtains, to what time of day it is. Everything is your story. And I'm used to producing, uh, but this one, like, I answered questions every day, all day. But I liked it. Yeah.
1: And does that give you, do they appreciate the fact too, that you've been in front of the camera as well? Like, it's not somebody just saying, oh, we'll do this. And they don't really know how, you know, how that's, what's that going to take from the actor or actress.
2: Well, it ha- definitely helps for, as far as I was concerned, to be an actor's director. Because uh-huh. I know it's like when they're not getting in or when a line's not working or when a moment's not working, that I don't force it upon my actors. I make sure that it needs to feel organic and that it needs to work. So you appreciate that. If I see something, I'm like, cut, this, is, this isn't working. Or when we go scouting and they want something, like, baby, we ain't going to be able to do all of that. Are y'all kidding me? No, I know y'all wrote that, but baby, that ain't happening. Um, so... It helps that I know what that's like, and then that way when my actors are there, uh, I was really grateful that I got Nikki because she played a homeless woman. And when I'm telling you the magic that you're going to see this woman create, just was so fulfilling. I was watching it as a fan sometimes, and they would be like, "Cut, y'all yeah, cut, They would Be like, "Oh, cut, yeah." <laughs> you like, I was
1: still in it. I still want that moment. Still in it. <laughs> Um, Well, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to make sure we go back and touch on it. What is the other show you have for um, Fox Soul?
2: Yes. You mentioned another one? Yeah. Yes. It's called The Screening Room, and it comes on every Thursday at 10 p.m., and you can also watch it on Tubi whenever, whenever, whenever and wherever you want to, baby. But The Screening Room is where we showcase young African-American filmmakers that make short films. The films are anywhere from three to 20 minutes. And, uh, then I interview them so they get a chance that while we're talking and showing their films to then be interviewed by Vivica Fox. So oh, that's
1: crazy. Do you do a little pop
2: up? I wouldn't lose my yes. mind. I'm like, they yes. doing
1: my film and it's like, oh, well now you get to talk to Vivica Fox. I mean, you know, no pressure, no nervousness <laughs> or anything. Just,
2: you know. Yes. Well, you, the smile that comes across their faces really makes me feel like they're like, oh my gosh. It yeah. warms my heart because they know that I've been in their shoes making mm-hmm. films. So mm-hmm. they they they're starstruck struck at first, but baby, they get down to business and let you know how they got it done.
1: Nice. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I'm still starstruck and I'm a huge fan and I'm gonna be watching uh-huh. all this that you got coming out. You guys definitely check out Tubi and Fox Soul. Cause Miss Vivica Fox is not stopping anytime soon. She's gonna keep it going.
2: No doubt. And can I just say in closing that if you guys want to find out all of the different over 30,000 titles and movies and television shows that they have, please go to tubi.tv to find out what they can, what they have for you and what you can enjoy. Enjoy. Look, see,
1: t- true TV host right there. True TV host. She's ready. She got it good. She got it wrapped it up. Nice little boat. So I'm done. I got nothing else for y'all. Thank y'all for listening. I'm going to come back and talk to you later. Thank you, Vivica.
2: You're welcome, darlings. Stay safe, y'all.
4: Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me today is a very special guest. They are an award-winning filmmaker dedicated to diverse storytelling and representation. Their film, The Beauty President, is premiering at this year's South by Southwest Film Festival. Please welcome me in joining Whitney Scougy. Hi, and I said it right. I'm sorry. I messed up our intro. Is that right, Whitney Scougy? Scog. Scog. <sighs>
3: It's a hard God. one.
4: It's hard. So sorry. It's okay. <laughs> and then it's funny because um your field producer Callie even like told me how to grammatically set it and I still managed to mess it up. I apologize. It's totally but... fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> no worries. All right. Well, we're here to talk about your film, The Beauty President. And I can say I've watched it like four times. Um Yeah, Thank it was you. I was just like so sucked into the storytelling. Um, Terrence is a character, um, so you can't help but being sucked in. Um, well, first, before we get into the actual film, tell me how you got into filmmaking.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I think I've probably had a camera in my hand since I was a little kid. Basically, like I was into making home movies, and I would put a bunch of books up on my dresser and put the camcorder up and try to like make my own little music videos. Um, I grew up with a single mom. And so a lot of the time TV and movies were my babysitters. And I really connected at a young age with the medium and with the form. And I found it was my way to connect with the outside world and to express myself to the outside world. So it was really this um, connector for me. And basically, you know, I just kept having a camera in my hand and I took classes in school and I I did like the high school TV show. Um, it was called Hawk TV in Bozeman, Montana. Shout out Bozeman. Um, and, you know, I just, I just never thought of a different path. It was always so natural to me to communicate this way and to express myself this way. And I just feel so grateful that I've been able to make it a career.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so you, this film is premiering in South by Southwest Film Festival. That's huge. How did that happen?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like really crazy to even like still say that. But again, like so grateful and so excited. Um, We we just submitted, you know, we just submitted the film. And then, um, you know, we've been in quarantine in California here in Los Angeles. And I just got an email and it was like, welcome to South by Southwest. And, you know, I had been just kind of in this waiting game with the film of what was going to happen, where was it going to premiere? And then, you know, you get this email. And I remember I kind of just dropped to the floor and just let out this big sigh of relief because it finally had, you know, momentum. It was like, okay, this is the start of it. Um, And and the fact that it was South by Southwest was so unexpected and um, really an honor, you know, it was really great.
4: Awesome. It, it is. I was like, whoa, this is big. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I uh, stalked your Instagram uh, <laughs> and I saw you made your announcement and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Whitney. Um, and so, so the film itself is called The Be President. It's about Joan Jet Black, who I was not aware. I was maybe like two at the time that Joan was running uh, for president under the Queer Nation. And Joan, what's so interesting about her is that her persona is created by Terrence Smith. So there's like this whole duality. So tell me about what made you look at Terrence as a subject matter for your, for your film?
3: Yeah, I think when I, so basically what happened was I discovered this footage of Joan online, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this has to be a film. And For me, as a queer person, and especially a queer person of color, I felt bad that I didn't know about the story. And I felt disconnected from my community. And because of that, I felt a responsibility to honor Terrence. Because to do what he did in the 90s as a Black man, as a drag queen, in that society, in that culture, was very dangerous. And the fact that he did that for his own community... That was also having, you know, a lot put up against them. I just wanted to honor that bravery and that courage. And so for me, it was it was less about Joan Jet Black, and it was more about why did Terrence, as Joan Jet Black, do what he did.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I was, I mean, I was really inspired. Terrence is such an interesting individual and he's he almost like exudes like joy. And you just, I, I mean, I can only imagine sitting there talking to him. That's why I watched it four times. Because I was just like, I just want more of this person. So tell me about that filmmaking process, um, getting to know him and getting him to tell his story.
3: Yeah. So I work for a company called Breakwater Studios. And we use a system called an Interatron to do interviews. And basically, the system makes it so that we can look at each other straight in the eye without being in the same room. And so we shot this during COVID, and um, you know safety was our number one concern. And so we used the protocol that the companies developed to make sure that we have safe shoots. So that's kind of the practical side of it. Um, and because we use the InteraTron, we're able to get a really intimate feeling to the interview, into the space, into the environment that we're doing the interview in. And so. I feel like that allows you just to build this instant connection. We're like, "Yo, it's just you and me in a room talking." And you know, my approach with Terrence was really just to start at the beginning, to start at um, you know his origin stories, if you will. Um, and you know, we covered his whole life from you know him coming out to the campaign and a little bit of now. And um, you know, it was interesting. He was kind of shy at first. Um, and he was, which is often, odd. He about other people, yeah, it was interesting. He was kind of shy at first and he would kind of get caught up in talking about other people's stories. He's such a historian himself. He knows so much about queer history himself. Um, and so he kind of gets, um, he gets carried away with, with these antidotes and I had to kind of challenge him to talk about himself and to tell his story and I really was trying to communicate to him that this was something that people were going to care about and this was something that mattered and this was something that had a place now in in the landscape that we live in it might not have had its moment back in the 90s because I don't think people understood what Terrence was really doing in the 90s and now I think we can look at this and we can say oh like you were fighting for your community. You were doing something that was really actually quite courageous. And so I, in the interview process, it was really just me trying to relay that to him and to be um, kind of this younger queer person trying to honor and, you know, my elder. Um, So that's really, you know, kind of the approach I try to take.
4: Yeah. I mean, I felt it and I, me personally, um, just from my understanding of my experience with the LGBTQ community, I often see drag as kind of like not the figureheads, but they're the performers, right? So, um, it, I just found it really interesting that Terrence chose to run as Joan Jet Black rather than himself. Um, and uh, to your point, you said Terrence was pretty shy, so in talking to him was his choice to run as Joan Jet Black was because it was his way of kind of taking on this different person, you know, even speaks differently as Joan Jett versus himself. Um, just tell me your thoughts about that, him projecting this, this character to get his point. Out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Terrence, we talked a lot about the concept of armor mm-hmm. and how in society, we all wear different types of armor and, Um, in the film, he's wearing a suit. And I remember one of my producers saying, why is he wearing that suit? And I remember being like, well, that's part of his armor because as a black man, you don't know what people's first assumptions of you are going to be. So anything you can do to curb a negative first impression, you're probably going to try to do. And I think to your question about Joan in a, in a reverse kind of way, it was that same concept of armor. The more flamboyant, the more of a caricature, the more performative the campaign was, the more he could get away with. Um, and I think to a certain degree, he could also protect Terrence himself. It was Joan. It it wasn't Terrence. And I think there's something um, to be said about humor, You know, you can be more humorous when you're not totally yourself. And I I think there's just a lot to be said about how we all kind of um, are performing all the time. We're all performing. And Terrence just chooses to perform in a different way. But even when he's in his suit sitting down with me, he's performing. Me sitting down here, I'm performing with you. We're all doing it. Um, And I think the film is trying to show that you can use that as a powerful thing. That you can use yeah. that to to help enact that change. That you can use that as a force, as an agent of change. And I really think that that's what Terrence did as John Jeff Black, and that's what I, you know, hope you know when the film's out and people can see it, um, that that people take away from it.
4: Yeah, he was really ahead of his time, and I love the line. Like he had so many great lines, um, but he's you know, he was talking about Ronald Reagan and saying how. Um, if a bad actor can be president, why not a good drag queen? Um, and uh, if we take Joan, let's say today, and say, let's say Joan ran for President's Day, I don't think it would be that odd considering um, who we had in the White House just a few months ago. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that we live in a society now where... Representation and inclusivity are at the forefront of people's minds, and I think that if Joan ran today, it would be celebrated, it would be embraced, and it would probably propel to national recognition. Yeah, um, you know, you think about some of the um, the queer folks that are running now, um, and the rainbow wave that happened in two thousand. Uh, I'm going to get. I'm not going to say the dates because I don't remember the dates, but the <laughs> rainbow wave that's recently been happening. Um, there are queer candidates now. It's it's not that odd anymore. And I think yeah. you know what the film tries to say is that what Terrence did, what Joan did, was a little dent. In that dent yes. helped open the door for other people to be able to do what they did. And and I I think that if Joan were to run today, it would be as you know, in your face, as unapologetic and as beautiful as it was in 1992, but just more people would probably get behind it.
4: Yeah, Joan would go viral and we would all be, I mean, I feel like we're going to stand now once the film's released, but I was really excited um, for his story to be told and I can't wait for everyone to see it. Um, Now, as far as, uh, I I mean, my, my mind's just racing, but I love how he said that everyone has a voice. Right? Like people say they have a voice, they have say a voice, but what are they saying? Like I don't hear anything. If I run for president, I will have you know I will give everyone a voice. So how important is it for you as a storyteller to project and to really highlight and showcase things that are important to you?
3: Yeah, I mean that's like at the core of everything that I do. I feel such a huge responsibility as a storyteller, to use my craft and to use the resources I have to help amplify the stories that are lost and to help amplify the stories of people that are from underrepresented communities, to help amplify the stories of people that have extraordinary lives, but maybe on the outside seem too ordinary to, to give time to. And I think, um, you know, for me as a storyteller, it's it's about my own identity too. I remember growing up and not seeing myself I remember growing up and being so elated when there was a gay character on you know, the dramedy TV show I was watching. Like it, really, it really does translate. When we say representation, it's not just a buzzword. It actually translates to how you feel in your own skin. And for me as a filmmaker, if I can help someone feel more more secure in their skin or if I can help someone see that there is an avenue for them or there is a place in society for them, that's what i'm going to do um i have you know my interest lies in in helping push the needle towards more progressive society um and so if i can do that through film like awesome
4: you're doing your job then um i just really appreciated humanizing like going beyond the character but really humanizing terrence and he actually knew what he was talking about like he wasn't just Someone just running for president just to get clout. He literally knew the issues. And at this point, it was during the height of the AIDS epidemic. Um, people were, I mean, majority of people were ignoring the issue because it wasn't affecting them. Um And he was talking about switching like healthcare and military budget. Like he was doing really radical things and he knew what he was talking about. So that was super duper refreshing for me because we've all seen candidates go out there that, you know, have some degree of celebrity and go out there. They just, they just, they're just doing it. Like he actually cared and knew what he was talking about. So tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I think Terrence is a very political person. Um, He grew up... um, being very engaged. He grew up wanting to know about the world. He um, is a very intelligent person. And I mm-hmm. think, on top of that, when you're dealing with um, having an identity that is not easy to live with in our society, those two compounded can create a force. And I think, you know, what happened with Terrence is that. You know, from a young age, he was political and he knew that he was different. And I think instead of letting that defeat him, he turned that into his power. And that radical power translates into his politics. So I don't think it's, you know, um, for Terrence, it seems obvious that our education system should be funded more. It seems obvious that, you know, we should have health care. It seems obvious that we should be employing people in roles of government that actually know what they're doing. Like these aren't things that are radical if you really just strip it back. But I think because, (laughs) because, you know, you have, because Terrence is so um, outgoing in the film, I think it does kind of add this energy to it where you're like, Oh yeah, like that does seem refreshing. That is nice because you don't hear people talk like this, but I think, More and more, you're seeing progressive politics rise up to the surface. And I think Terrence and Joan's politics just fits right into that narrative. And I don't think it's as surprising anymore as it might have been in the 90s.
4: And what parts of yourself did you see in making this film or just in conversations with Terrence or even Joan?
3: Wow. Wow. That's a great question. I think, I, gosh, got me there. I think it's just like, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, um, like I said earlier, I grew up with a single mom and I grew up in a very white neighborhood, in a very white town, in a very white state. And I think, you know, getting able to tell not only this queer story, but a black story um, is really important to me because it's not, I, I don't get to connect with my community that often because of how I was raised, um, which was kind of out of my control. And I think for me, being able to, to share these stories and being able to connect with my own identity, it helps me fill in the gaps. It helps me fill in those holes. And I think like, um, you know, getting to connect with Terrence and him kind of getting to connect with me. It was cool. It was like this really fun dynamic where it was like, I was almost like his little sister or something. And he was like, man, it must've been really hard in Montana. I was like, man, it must've been really hard in the nineties. Like, and, and we were both just kind of like (laughs) riffing off of each other. And, you know, I think, I think I bring a lot of sensitivity to my work. I'm a very sensitive person. And I think part of, part of the reason I'm sensitive is because of the way I grew up. And I think um, part of the reason I'm sensitive is you know being queer and being on kind of the outskirts sometimes like you you absorb more and I just tried to put that into the film I tried to make Terrence as credible as possible and I wanted to honor who he actually was not um, maybe the idea of who you think he is based off Joan
4: yeah yeah. I mean, it delivered. Like I said, I watched it four times. So um, <laughs> it definitely, it, it, was just, it, was, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was feel good. It was educational. Um, I learned a lot. And now I want to know more. Like now I'm like Googling Terrence Smith. I'm Googling Joan Jett Black. I want to know more. Um, And to your point, as you said earlier, you even you said like, I kind of felt bad. I didn't know. Like I feel bad. I didn't know. About him and kind of like the pioneer, not kind of the pioneer that he is. Um, so I'm really excited for this film's premiere, and that's going to be on March 16th, right? I believe- yes, excited for that. Yeah. Um, and so what else can we expect from you, Whitney? What What are you looking forward to beginning to? You
3: know, um, this project was really such a great catalyst for. The momentum I'm feeling as a filmmaker, I'm really interested in queer history and bringing that to the mainstream and preserving that and honoring that. So I'm definitely interested in expanding the universe that the film lives in and finding more stories of these queer pioneers that we might not know of. Um, and like I said earlier with, you know, my sensitivity, I'm really interested in films that, that have a certain sensitivity to them and break certain stereotypes. And so I'm also working Developing another film about a spoken word artist, Um, and um, yeah, actually that part that part I can't disclose. That part is actually a secret, so I will I take that part back. But um, yeah, yeah, just expanding on the universe that Terrence lives in. Um, Really, just trying to unearth more stories that need to be told.
4: Absolutely. Well, I really look forward to it. And I thank you for your time today. We definitely want to follow you, know more about you. Do you want to share your socials?
3: Oh, yeah. I am at Whitney Scoggy on Instagram. I am Witters19 on Twitter. And you can find Whitney Scoggy on Facebook.
4: Awesome. And we're, of course, at Black Girl Nerds. I never know my because I have so many different names. So I'm going to leave that out of it. <laughs> but definitely at Black Girl Nerds, make sure you guys follow Whitney. And definitely, we so look forward to seeing the beauty president. Thank you so much, Whitney. Bye. Thank you.
0: The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.